Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with us here today. I really appreciate it. Today is New Year's Eve. You know, last week, for those of you that were listening live, you know, we were talking about Christmas Eve and all of the excitement that comes around that. New Year's Eve, um, you know, is such a time for reflection as well as planning. I mean, I hope for your sake that you already have some pretty solid plans in place for 2020. It would be a shame if you haven't began planning for 2020 and it's already, depending again on your time zone, here upon us. Um, you know, I really do appreciate, though, that you're spending the time here with us today. Um, I like to... For the most part, keep the New Year's Day or right before New Year's shows kind of for myself. I don't typically have a guest on my New Year's show, and the reason being for a lot of uh, reasons, but the number one probably more than anything else is that, you know, tomorrow's my birthday. Maya and I are birthday partners. I think I actually had Maya on as a special guest one time. I've actually had a few New Year's shows that I did have guests. But I really like taking this New Year's Eve, um, New Year's Day kind of time frame and really spending some time heart to heart with you to really just share with you some things that are on my heart, some things that I hope will help you put 2019 good, bad, and ugly um, into your rearview mirror and will allow you to really be up-leveled and be prepared and have 2020 vision for 2020. I like that phrase. I'm keeping it. I'm going to use it all year. I want you to have 2020 vision for 2020. Think about that one for a second. You know, to have that crystal clear clarity. To know that you know that you know. How many of us find ourselves suffering from unknowing, from lack of clarity, from questioning? Do you question yourself? I'll admit it. I question myself. And that's not necessarily wrong. I think it's good to keep ourselves in check. But I think it also, and you've heard me say this one before, we need to be the first one to like our Facebook post. In fact, we need to be the first one to heart our Facebook post. That might be my anything for 2020 is that I'm going to put a heart on all my Facebook posts rather than just liking them. I mean, we really need to fall in love with ourselves. We need to fall in love with our purpose and our vision. We want the future to be enormous. 
Um, I shared on Facebook Live, and I think I may have even shared it here on the show since, but I had an epiphany when I was doing a Facebook Live one day. Or maybe it was here on the show. I don't remember. Anyway, I had an epiphany that, you know, when it comes to the race of life, we get to the end. All of us knows what the end means. Crossing that tape is that final transition from our earth suit, I love that phrase that one of our pastors used to use, to our spirit being free from this earth suit and from living in this mortal realm to living in the immortal, in the eternal. Um, There's that moment when we cross that threshold, when we puff our chest out and break the tape Because here's the thing, it does not matter who you are, what you've done, good or bad, when it comes to the race of your life, when you get to the end, you will be the only person crossing that finish line. Nobody can come with you. All of the people that we so easily blame for our situations, for our life being the way that it is. All the people that we use as our sexy excuse. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. None of those people are going to stand next to us on Judgment Day if you want to go there. But I'm not even really talking about that next moment after you cross the line in any form of answering for um, your previous life. Different religions have different viewpoints on it and whether you believe in reincarnation or Jesus or, or any of your beliefs, I don't even really want to debate those with anyone today. That moment before we stand in stand in the judgment, um, you know, we reincarnate into a higher, a lower being, whatever, um, is that end. It's that crossing the tape. And you're going to be the victor. You are going to win the race of your life. Nobody else will. There's going to be nobody else there with you. All the people that you've competed against that you've judged yourself by, that have made you feel less than. In all of those situations, that's right, I said in all of those situations, you're the only person who's gonna cross the finish line of your life. Now for some you're prepared for that. I think of the uh, the Gospel of Paul where he's talking about, I have finished the race, I've completed my course. And for some, you know, as you come towards the end of your life, you find yourself feeling fulfilled and complete. You know that you lived the mission you were meant to live. You finished your race. You completed your course. 
But here's the thing. You could be flat on your face, not ready, fighting, kicking, and screaming. And the race is still going to be over. And you're still going to cross the line. And you're the winner. You see, I can tell you absolutely, I guarantee it, 100% certainty, when it comes to the end of the race of your life, you will win. Which now brings me to the important point of that. And that's this. You get to choose how big of a victory that is. Is it a Pyrrhic victory? Um, you know, meaning that you won, but it's really only, you know, kind of a symbol of having won. You didn't really win much. Does it, do you spend your whole life identifying that win as a loss? Oh, that would be so sad. If you've defined yourself as a loser your whole entire life, and now you are racing this race of life, you come to the end, you win, and this whole entire time, you've been leading that race. And that whole entire time, you've been saying, I'm a loser. When in fact, you've always been winning. Now there are a lot of ways we can look at this. Um, there is the race that you won at the beginning of your life. There is the race for all of the millions of sperm cells that raced to be the one that caused pregnancy. You won. You would have been something else, someone else. If literally a microsecond difference in time would have occurred between your inception, between your conception, and when it actually happened. Change that by just a microsecond. And all of the sudden, you're not you. Your DNA, your genetic mix is different. You're a different person. Not even to mention the fact that if you're talking a different month, a different year, different set of parents, it's easy to look at the faults and failings of our parents and say to ourselves, with all clarity, all the things they did wrong, but they did one thing right because they made you. You exist. You already won. From the very beginning, you were the winner. And you've ran the entire race every minute of every day of your life as the winner of your life. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of those times when the race of your life was happening, you were face down on the ground. There have even been, possibly in some of our lives, times when you got kicked in the face or worse during the race of your life and you were laid out flat on your back impossible to move taken out as it felt of the race 
but you were still living your life. You see, it felt like death. It may have actually been worse than death, but the life continued. And oh, trust me, as I've gone through the book writing sessions that I've done with people, I've heard some people go through some tremendously awful things. Things that I would never want to make light of, and I don't want you to feel like at all that I'm in any way saying what you went through wasn't just as absolutely huge as it was. Because it was. I get that. But you were still winning even in that moment. Because you were still you. And you were still alive. I want you to have that 2020 vision of that. It's really important to me that you see that. Yes, that moment was awful. And no, you didn't feel like a winner at all. I know what those moments feel like. You're sitting there in the race of your life. I think of Derek Redman, you know his book, he's one of our authors and you've probably all heard his story. The expected winner was supposed to be the gold medalist in the, I think it was 1992 Olympics. Had already run the first heat and won by a mile, by a long shot. I mean, it wasn't a mile, obviously, because it was a 440. So, um, you know, it was only a quarter of a mile to begin with. But he was the guy that was going to win. He was the guy to beat. And the gun fired, and he took off, and his hamstring snapped. And he went down in a heap. And I remember Derek telling me that when it very first happened... He got right back up to his feet and assumed that he could still win the race. And then he fell right back down. He didn't know how bad it was. And then he laid there. And he needed help to get up to his feet. And his dad actually came out of the stands and came. And his dad was just going to help him walk off of the track. But Derek said, no, I'm going to finish this race. You see, sometimes, like Derek, your hamstring is snapped and you're laying face down in the gutter that is your lane of the track in the race of your life. And you look up and you begin to define your life as a loser. You see other people cross the tape of their life doing things you only dreamt of doing. And so therefore, your reality becomes that you're not good enough. And that was never true. You are the winner. In this particular segment of today's episode, I want you to get 2020 vision on the clarity that when you come to the end of the race, you're the winner. So now you get to choose. How big of a victory is that? Were you a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire? Did you have Bill Gates money or Oprah money? I remember it's so funny, uh, Chris Rock's joke, you know, that he did. It's been years ago now, but he talks about how, you know, 
uh, how exciting it was, you know, because Oprah became a billionaire and that was a really big thing. He said, but think about it for a second. If Bill Gates woke up tomorrow and he only had Oprah's money, he'd be devastated. I think he actually said he'd kill himself. Um, you know, but whatever level. For some people, it's that first job. Do you remember what it was like going to the bank and cashing or depositing your very first paycheck? For many of us, you know, we were still kids. We were still in school. Um, you know, and aside from the fact that, you know, I was I did a sales door-to-door -door starting at five, and that was pretty cool, too. You know, I took that bag of cards and napkins out and came back with an empty bag and a pocket full of money, and I was hooked. But I remember um, we moved to a new church in Eden, Indiana. Um, yeah, look it up on a map. It's a huge city. Um, <laughs> it's a stop sign or a stoplight is literally what it is. But we moved to a new church, um, and it was the summer before seventh grade. And um, I found out that there was the opportunity, my older brother Bob and I, we both ended up doing what's called detasseling corn. Um, for those of you who don't know how it works, seed corn um, is a hybrid type of corn um, that's grown on purpose to be corn seeds for farmers to then plant. Okay. <laughs> um, and it comes in actually male and female corn, and the reason being is because the male corn pollinates the whole field. The female corn, however, has, um, you know, it has a, what we call a shedder, um, you know, the thing that the pollen comes off of. And, um, you know, and so you have to go through the field and manually pull the the shedder off of every one of the female corn um, and they're done in rows and, and you don't need to know all the specifics on that but um, you know they mostly employ teenagers and it's a very brief window of time when it's the right time to do that before uh, you know before pollination but after the corn, corn's grown enough that it doesn't stunt the corn's growth and um, you know and so they they hire mostly teenagers to come in and it's usually somewhere between a week and three weeks of work, mostly depending on how how good you are at it, whether you work for just a couple of days or whether you work for all three weeks. And that first summer, I think I worked for about a week, you know, cause I was just getting ready to go into eighth grade. I was little. Uh, my brother worked for like two or two and a half weeks cause he was um, in college. You know, he was just starting or had maybe done a year of college and um, I remember though that first check when they wrote me and gave me that check. Minimum wage at that time was, I want to say, $2.15 an hour. And if memory serves correctly, we actually got paid more than that. I think we got paid almost $3 an hour um, as starting, and then it got, went up to like 4 or $5 an hour um, over the years I did it. I did it all the way up until. Um, you know, the summer before my senior year of high school, you know, when we moved. And um, I did it that summer, but then ne never thereafter. And um, 
isn't this fun just being you and I? You can just hear how I talk on a normal basis and I'm not being quite as radio showy and just really kind of communicating with you. It's kind of fun. I may drop a couple commercials in here and we may just talk for the whole hour. Who knows? Whatever. I hope that's okay. I'm having fun. I hope you are too. Um, but anyway, my point was is that, uh, you know, the, the check... I remember it so well because I took it to the bank and I don't remember if I had a bank account, but I remember how rich I felt. You know, it was probably like a hundred bucks, $150, whatever, you know, it's a lot of money when you're just however old, how old are people getting ready to go into eighth grade? I don't remember. It was so exciting. Do you remember that feeling? That first check? I remember it so well. And at that point in your life, you know, you feel like you're on cloud nine. You're the victor. You're the winner. You are the person, bar none. You're the guy who is getting it done in life, right? <laughs> there are times when we feel that way. And there are other times when, like I said, your hamstring is snapped and you're down on the ground, facing the dirt, you're, it feels like your whole life is over and everything you've ever planned for has been taken away from you and you're a loser. But it's not true. Just like you felt when you had that first check in hand or maybe how you felt that day when you got hired for your very first job or when you got your first car, or on your wedding day, or when your first child was born, or all those big moments, whichever one pops out in your head, the way you felt right then, that level of winner, you were always that kind of winner. You still are. I want you to have that 2020 vision of just how much of a winner you are. Because you are. You're the best. You are so amazing. If you ever really gave yourself credit for how incredible you are, if you saw you the way that God sees you, the way that people around you are in awe of you, I wish for each of you that you can have the experience of feeling what it feels like when you're a parent and you have about a, you know, usually right around 18 months to two years old, old enough that they can comprehend and talk, but where the world is still amazing and wonderful. I hope you have had an experience, that experience or one like it where somebody looked at you in that awe of, you know, and for a little kid it was because you did something amazing, like you, you know, got a can out of the high cupboard, or, you know, something, you walked all the way across the room without anybody helping you. Um, it's those kind of things. That sense of awe. That's how we all feel about you. You're amazing. I hope you know it. If you don't know it, let me tell you again, you're amazing.
You really are. I have decided I am going to take a quick commercial break here, give you a second to breathe after all of that, and then we're going to come back with more 2020 vision for 2020 here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to we help you thrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back thanks for joining us here today on thriving entrepreneur today is new year's day new year's eve and um, we are talking about having 2020 vision in 2020. Um, you know, for those of you who have ever been to the doctor's office and had an eye exam, you know what it's like. You know, they put the thing over one eye and or, or even more fun is when they put the glass, the like big giant humongous glasses thing on you. I don't even know what you call it, you know, and they're like, which of these is clear? Is it one or two? <laughs> you know, and you go through the whole thing and then they tell you what your vision is, right? Um, we need the same thing going into 2020. We need clarity. We need it to be crystal clear. We need to know which is clearer, one or two. Sometimes we have a whole lot of things that we feel like we can do and we're not sure and we want to choose from. And much the same as in the doctor's office when they're evaluating your vision um, and or when they're evaluating what level of glasses you need um, you know you go through a whole bunch of different levels in all of the different views of things um, to be able to determine between this one and this one which one is clearer which one makes more sense what's the what's the most detailed See, think about that, that eye chart thing for a second. And as opposed to it being, um, you know, what is the smallest print you can read, think of it as what is the most detailed thing that you have the most clarity on? And have you gone deep enough that you can go all the way to bottom of something and have 100% clarity on those deep details? Sometimes we need others to help us with that. Sometimes just like when we go to an eye doctor, what ends up being the solution is we need a prescription. We need to wear a pair of glasses and in so doing, we will find ourselves in a place where we have clarity 
I'll never forget when little Maya, I mean, she's always be little Maya to me, but when she was little, um, and she got her first pair of glasses. And I remember um, she was driving and riding in the car. She wasn't driving. She was way too little to be driving. Um, she was riding in the car wearing her glasses and she looked out the window and she said, trees do have leaves on them. I've heard people talking about it, but every time I've ever looked at a tree, it just looked like a green mass of blur. Now, on the one hand, that was very heartbreaking for us as parents, you know, and it's hard not to judge yourself and be like, oh, what a horrible parent I am, um, you know, as opposed to being like, see, that's why I took the child and got, you know, we never go that way, right? You know, we just start beating ourselves up. But um, the reason why I bring that up is not to bring you down for the sad moment, but or even bring you up from how cute Maya is and always was, but it's that level of clarity when for the first time you can look out the window and see the details of the leaves that are on the tree. You don't just see that there's a tree. There isn't just a green blob over top of a brownish blob, but rather it is this straight stick that goes up in the air and has these detailed green leaves on them. And you can see them clearly and you can begin to identify the different shapes between the different types of trees because you can now see the detail of the leaves. Clarity does that same thing for us. When we get 20-20 vision on what we're really supposed to do, then we have the ability to be just that level of clear. We can look at the whole entire forest and we can see with granular detail the tree that we're meant to serve. What kind of bark does it have? How tall is it? What shape and color are its leaves? Does it have leaves or does it have needles? I mean, some of us, some of us have been through some stuff. And when you get close to us, you find that the things hanging from our branches aren't so much leaves as they're needles, right? And that's okay. Because maybe you had needles too. And you had to learn how to deal with those things in life that made you spiky and learn how to be approachable. What a great book that would be. How to go from spiky to approachable. A Porcupine's Guide to Love. Ooh, one of my people who is a love coach or um, somebody like that, write that book for us. That, that's awesome, I'll be glad to help you with that. That is so exciting. It's those kind of things. And when you get that clarity, it should just light you up. Um, I was talking a couple weeks ago and I told you about the fact that I just had one day where I had clarity on what my next book was going to be. The book's title, Clarity is Powerful, which I'm working on the editing version of now. But the actual writing part of the book, because what I do is help people go through an interview process. And over the course of about an hour to an hour and a half, we can get all the content for your book. I did it for myself. I was clear what I needed to do. 
And out of that clarity came inspiration. I sat down at my computer, turned on a recording device. Um, if you've never used it, you know, Google's speech to text works really well. Now, I will tell you that um, you have to learn the quirkiness of telling it to put a period in and start new sentences. And what I'd actually encourage you to do is to not do that at all. Free form speak the whole thing. And then whether it be yourself or an assistant or, or somebody that's good at grammar, have them go back through and put in the punctuation and spelling. Don't try to live on both sides of your brain simultaneously. Um, creativeness and edit editing and things like that. Well, for most people, editing um, exists on opposite sides of the brain. Um, I say that because really there can be some creativeness that comes into editing too, but that's a whole different discussion for some other time. Um, the point being is, is that out of that clarity, in that same hour, hour and a half that I would do with you, I wrote an entire book. Because from clarity comes inspiration. When you have that 2020 vision on what it is that you're supposed to do, on what it is that you want to say, on who you need to serve, ooh, let that one sink in for a minute. Who you need to serve. Not who's going to pay you, not who has the most money, not what's the widest demographic, not how can I make this thing appealing to everybody in the whole wide world, but who's that one person that you need to serve? Ooh, when you get that level of clarity, oh man. When you are that kind of clear, inspiration comes. When you have that 2020 vision, you can see things like you've never seen before. You can create like you've never created before. You will have visions of your future and you will be able to reframe your past in a way that honestly may have even been leaving you um, I'll use the word lame, <laughs> not because you were um, not a lame kind of person, but because you were literally limping along in life, right? You see, when we have that 2020 vision, when we have clarity, then we're inspired. Like my friend Erning Villanueva says, we're wired, fired, and inspired. I bet you money, because I know it's true, that if you really clearly know what your purpose is, you will find yourself dreaming and scheming about it. Have you ever read the Rhinoceros' Creed? When you all you dream and scheme is about it, and when life is less and worthless without it, when you'll gladly give up your time for it, work weekends for it, then give in but don't give up because you will succeed with the law of reciprocity. And as we used to always say at Lily's Kirby office, because there ain't no excuses. And there isn't. There are no excuses for you to not succeed. 
there's a lot of sexy reasons that seem legitimate, but all of those excuses when they pile together don't really mean anything, especially when you stop for a second. You have that 2020 vision. You put on those glasses that give you that clarity. And what you see is a person sitting in front of a computer screen. Maybe tears are running down their eye, their face. Depends on your topic. Maybe they're exuberantly excited because maybe your topic is, you know, is about like what we're talking about right now and how awesomely powerful you feel when you get inspiration. So it doesn't have to be somebody broken, okay? But either way, they're sitting in front of the computer and they're typing. They're on Google. And they're saying in Google that exact thing that is the question that you've got the answer for. And if you were standing across the room and rather than, well, let's say, you, you know, they were doing it on Siri or they were doing Alexa or um, even Google Voice and they were asking the questions in, you know, verbally as opposed to typing it. I got to get into 2020, right? And stop talking about people typing, whatever. <laughs> um, if you were standing across the room and you asked them, ask Siri that question, Siri might come up with something, but you'd be jumping out of your skin, standing there going, ooh, 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 I know the answer to this. Let me help you with it. You'd run across the room to them and you'd be like, have I got you? In a person's darkest hour, in their happiest moments, that thing that you do with grace and ease comes in it's there to allow them to take even just that micro step. Think back in your own life. There are those people. I remember, and you've heard me talk about Dr. Joy before. There's even an episode, if you have not heard the episode that I did way back, I believe it was like in February of 2015, way back in the early days of the show, Dr. Donald Joy, my earliest of mentors, um, I remember my parents uh, went to a conference, you know, they did, you, you do those kind of things. Um, I think my, my oldest brother, Bob, because he was living with us at the time, I think he went to his friend's house um, and they needed a place for me to stay. And uh, Dr. Dr. Joy, Don and Robbie, they volunteered um, to let me come and stay at their house for that. I think it was like three days. It felt like several weeks, not in a bad way. I think, it, like I said, I think it was like two or three days, but it was amazing. It was awesome. I had a blast. And I remember Dr. Joy, there was just something, it wasn't like he said something specific. There was just that spark, that little spark of love, spark of attention, spark of connection. That would have been like 1975, 
if you're listening live, it's just about 2020, right? So that was a couple of years ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was a long time ago. And throughout all of my life, there have been times when, you know, I've reached back out to Dr. Joy and he's always been there for me. Wrote the foreword for my book that, you know, is now coming out in sections as a 10 book series. And I know each of us has people like that. We could all go through our lives and we could, we could call out different people that just in that moment, they were the person and our souls, our spirits connected. I never, I'm gonna try not to cry here, but I will never forget my best friend in the whole world, Ron Lewis. I know sometimes um, Linda, his, his wife, still listens to the show. And if, Linda, you're listening, um, I think you're in a place where you can get through without crying. But Ron and I were brothers. From the moment we first met until the last second of his life, we were connected. Ron and I could go for literally a decade without talking. You know, Ron lived back in Michigan, and by this time, I lived on the West Coast. Ron's health really failed him at the end. Um, and and I'm so sorry to hear from Linda some of the, the things that well, she had to endure because of it and, and the stuff he went through at the end of his life. But our spirits were connected. And it didn't matter how much time went by. As soon as we spoke, sent a text to each other. Well, that was really before texting. We, it was more like emails. But, you know, any of that kind of thing. Instantly, we were one. Some of you know how that feels. To just have that person that is your brother, right? Like I said, we could all go through and look back at times of our life and call out people. The thing I want to realize and the reason why I spent as much time as I just did giving you those examples is because for somebody, you're that person. You're somebody's Oprah Winfrey. You're somebody's Lisa Nichols. You're somebody's Tony Robbins. You're somebody's Michelle Obama. I don't know who the person is for you that you look up to, that you aspire to be. Just as sure as I've said those names, there are some people that are like, oh, well, that person, you know. And there are people that absolutely identify immediately with that. But for somebody, you're that person in their life. Some of them you've already met and you need to allow yourself to connect to them. And for others, you haven't met that person yet, but that person's coming into your life and you need to be the spark in theirs. You need 
2020 vision. You need to have your 2020 vision for 2020 because I'm telling you what, 2020 is gonna be an amazing year. If it isn't an amazing year for you, it's because you didn't prepare for it. I don't wanna to go too woo-woo on you, but I'm going to for just a second because I know that I know that I know in my spirit at the depth of me that 2020 has in store amazing things that you will never be the same again in a good way because of 2020 that when you look back at the end of 2020 when we're on New Year's Eve coming into 2021 you will hardly be able to recognize who you now are And in order to be able to capture that, to capitalize on that, you need 2020 vision. You need to be crystal clear who you are, what you're meant to do in this world, and who you're meant to serve. You need to be poised to live as a thriving entrepreneur. I hope you're there, but if you're not, we've got one more segment here. I'm going to take a real quick break, let you listen to a commercial, breathe a little bit, and then we're going to come back and we're going to finish this off. We're going to talk a little bit more about your 2020 vision and about how you can use that 2020 vision to go into 2020 and live as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. I appreciate you spending some time here on this holiday with me as I pour into you, as I just really help you get your 2020 vision for 2020. You need that crystal clarity of who you are, what you're meant to do, and most importantly, who you're meant to serve. 
So how do we get that 2020 vision? The first thing we have to do is we have to let go of our limiting beliefs and our predetermined ideas of what we're going to do and what we're supposed to do and be open to allowing ourselves to be who we truly are. That's tough. It really is, and I get it. Because there are things that are exciting and fun for you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's who you are at your core. It may be. But often, the depth of who you are, it's that thing that's shown up throughout your whole life. It's shown up in different ways, because, you know, I'm going to be 53 tomorrow. And I see the world really differently than I did when I was five or three. Right? That's okay. But throughout that, there's this thread that keeps showing up in your life. Now the question is, is are you going with it or are you fighting it? Do you see the commonality do you see the why behind all of those things? Or are you caught in the things? Or worse yet, are you caught feeling like you have to do something? I was talking to my dad and I realized, this was some time ago, so it's not new information, but I realized that I went to college because I grew up in a society and an environment where you graduated from high school with a good grades and you got into a good college, you know, in, in our family, a good Christian college. And, um, you know, you went to school and you got your degree and then, you know, then you went out into life, right? Um, and the thing about it is, is that I didn't question why was I doing that? That's just how you did it. That was everybody else's template that I just was cookie cutter following along. There's a great story I read one time about a guy that was teaching um, all three of his sons. One was a freshman, one was a junior, and one was a senior in high school. Um, all of them were homeschooled. And he was a chemical engineer at, I believe, Dow Chemical. Um, and he was teaching them chemistry. Uh, the two older boys were taking the chemistry and the book very well. But the younger son he was having a lot of trouble with because the younger son kept wanting to jump to the end of the book. And the dad kept telling him, no, no, we can't do the stuff at the end of the book until we learn the stuff at the beginning of the book. And the son just kept jumping to the end of the book. Well, it turns out that when the dad released his preconceived notion of how you learn chemistry and just allowed his son said to himself, you know, worst case scenario, next year we'll just redo chemistry with him. He's got plenty of years to learn it. His son jumped to the end of the book, discovered something, and from that his son created a chemical process that had never been discovered before that as a freshman in high school he ended up selling to Dow Chemical. Um, it's those kind of things. Who we are shows up everywhere. It's everybody else's templates that keep trying to hold us down into this thing that we're supposed to do. So I want you to be clear. Look at all of those things, both now and in the past, and see the common thread. 
after you're clear who you are, really at the heart and the core of you, then you know what you're meant to do. The who you are has transcended your color and who your parents are and how old you are and all of those kind of things. And it's just solidly, this is who I am. And the what flows so easily out of that because you see it. You see the commonality of how you continue to show up in the world and what continues to show up in your world. And you see the what that you're meant to do within that. And then lastly and most importantly is the who. Who am I meant to serve? Because none of it's about us. None of us was plopped into this planet to be a selfish jerk and do as much as we could for ourselves. All of us are here for the person or persons that we were meant to serve. And as we stretch out with all that we are and be the best version of ourselves, the natural byproduct of that is our serving the people we're meant to serve. Now you see, a lot of times service takes on a negative quantity. It's been vilified a lot of times as the servant in the household, the maid, the people who are the underlings, right? We have forgotten how special, how wonderful service is. We have forgotten that only by serving can we ever become a leader. That those of you who want to be the greatest need to make yourself the least. Let that sink in. Let that ruminate with you for a minute. It's all about that other person that you're meant to serve. It was never about you. Yes, God loves you and he wants you on this planet. He did, he literally moved heaven and earth so that at the exact microsecond in time you were conceived. You are chosen. You are the victor across the tape of the race of your life. And you were plopped on this planet because there are some people that you're meant to serve. It may be from lots and lots of money coming in so that lots and lots of money can come out. Anybody that's really financially well will tell you that only the people who use their money in constructive ways really truly ever have wealth. Andrew Carnegie amassed a gigantic fortune and at the end of it found himself broken and in tears and he spent the end of his life giving away every penny he ever made. He's often been quoted as saying that he wished that throughout all of his life he would have been a giver. And that he tried so hard at the end of his life to make up for all of the taking that he had done. But that he knew 
that if he had been a giver his whole life, that he would have had so much more to give. See, that's the way the world, the world works. So you got to get that 2020 vision more than anything else on who are you meant to serve. Who's that person? Who's that person saying, hey, Google, tell me the answer to, right? That you can jump up and down and say, oh, I've got that answer. I know the answer. I know it. I know it. I know it. I can help you with that. There's no better feeling in the world than when somebody really needs help and you can help them out. Something as simple as that mom at the grocery store who really needs to buy diapers or formula for her kids and she's just a dollar short. If you reach up and hand her that dollar, and yes, society may have taught her that she's supposed to say, oh, no, no, thank you, that's okay. But it means the world to her. It's the difference between life and death sometimes to her. So take our 2020 vision into 2020. Be clear who you are, what you're meant to do, and more than anything else, who you are meant to serve as we take that 2020 vision into 2020, we are going to experience an amazing year like never before. I've been telling you for more than five years now that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. This is your time to shine. This is your time to be crystal clear, to take your 2020 vision into 2020. Know that we are here. I would love to talk to you and help you make the difference in the world that only you can make. Because that's what I'm here to do, is to help you share your story with the world so that as you live as a thriving entrepreneur, other people are blessed and they too live as a thriving entrepreneur. Have a great rest of this whole year and until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.